Welcome to the Field Log Podcast, daily reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I am your host, Hara Sakaria. Field Log, Day 2. Consistency. Consistency is one of those, I suppose, vague terms that people like to throw around and it's considered generally good advice, right? There's this idea that Oh, if you're consistent, if you consistently work on something, then you're much more likely to get there, much more likely to be successful. And some people even take it so far as to say that as long as you believe in yourself and work on something consistently, you will have it, which that sounds like wishful thinking to me. But the idea behind consistency is still incredibly powerful if you can somehow in your mind decouple it from the cliches that people have married to the word. Now, what do I mean by that? I was recently referencing a book called The Little Book of Talent. It's written by, I think it's Daniel Coyle. I think that's how you say it. And he wrote this book. Actually, he wrote two books that I've read. He wrote The Little Book of Talent and The Talent Code. And The Talent Code is this very fascinating book about his sort of pilgrimage, if you will. And he would visit these locations that he calls hotbeds of talent. Right? Like a, one of the examples is this rinky-dinky, run-down tennis club somewhere in Russia. You know, bad equipment, bad courts, the nets, everything. The, the uniforms are run down. But for some reason that no one seems to understand, this place keeps pumping out world-class tennis players. Or, you know, like top-of-the-scene top tennis players. And he finds a bunch of locations like this. There was, um, I think there was a, a golf course or a golf training club somewhere in Korea and some, somewhere there was a swimming team or something. It's been a long time since I've read that book. But recently, I referenced something in the companion to the talent code, which is called the little book of talent. And each of the lessons from the talent code is succinctly summarized in about one to two pages and put in this little, so it's called the little book of talent, almost like a pocket companion that you're supposed to carry in your, let's say you're um, a trumpet player or something, you're supposed to carry it in like your instrument case. Or if you're a soccer player, you carry it in your sports bag or whatever. And you can flip this thing open and on every page, there's going to be a tip, something that many of these hotbeds have in common Something that seems to separate people who become truly exceptional at whatever it is that they do from people who do not become exceptional. And the reason why I flipped the book open was because a friend of mine sent me a quote from, I I think it was a very, very old movie, a very early movie that Arnold did. And somebody said something, I'm going to completely butcher the quote, but the idea will get across. Someone said something to Arnold's character. He said... Um, don't you want to have fun or be comfortable or, or something like that or, or feel pleasure? And Arnold responds to him along the lines of pleasure and comfort make you weak. I'd rather be hungry. Which, you know, on the surface might seem a little masochistic. Like he wants to just, why, why doesn't he want to feel good? Why does he always want to desire something and be hungry and constantly be in a state where he doesn't have what he wants? Why would he want that? 
And beyond that, you know, if you get past that first level, it actually gets a lot deeper than that. If you get past that first level, you might get to a point where you think that, okay, this is cliche, right? Like being hungry all the time and working for things and the, the, the Sigma male grinds and all of that. It's a little cliche. But the thing that I thought when I saw this 15, 20 second clip first was that reminds me of something. Reminds me of one of the tips, one of the 52 tips. I think there's 52 of them. One of the 52 tips in the little book of talent. And it's about living Spartan or being Spartan. I think the exact name of it, and I'm probably going to get this slightly wrong, but it's close. The exact name of it is luxury makes you soft or luxury makes you lazy, which seems like this very, you know, hardcore, um, you know, five to nine online entrepreneur, coaching, whatever, Instagram personality or currency trader. <laughs> you know, you know the, the type that I'm talking about. Um, people who are all about the grind and they're like, oh, I'm going to bury my head in work for three years and no one's going to hear from me and I'm going to emerge in a Lamborghini. It seems like something straight out of that culture. But it actually turns out, and if you read the little book of talent, he explains it a little bit. But if you read the talent code, he goes in, in depth as to why this is most likely the case. Because he observed it being the case and then trying to retroactively figure out what's actually causing the phenomenon is when your body is in an environment that's very comfortable. Let's say you get, you know, three square meals a day and you have a comfortable bed and the temperature is great and you're always dressed for the weather. When you're in that environment, your brain, the part of your brain that makes you very hungry, not necessarily hungry for food, obviously, but metaphorically, that makes you very motivated to go do things, to go get things, to build things, to hunt, all of those things, that part of your brain turns off because it realizes there's no point in us being constantly anxious, constantly on high alert, constantly aroused physiologically and trying to go for something because we have everything we want, right? We're comfortable, we're, we're well-fed. There's nothing to pursue. So you're your brain doesn't want to pursue anymore because pursuit is uncomfortable. It's dangerous, right? If you think back to, you know, hunter-gatherer times, man out there in the plains hunting food, you know, he's very motivated, but it's incredibly dangerous. You know, you could starve, you could run out of water, you could get killed by whatever it is you're hunting, you could get killed by some creature that's hunting whatever it is you're hunting as well. So once you find the antelope or the deer, whatever it is that you're hunting and you kill it, then your brain relaxes. And that phenomenon extends beyond just the single kill. It's if you live a very comfortable, luxurious lifestyle, your brain knows I'm comfortable, I'm safe. Because your brainstem, you know, the, the lizard part of your brain, all it wants to do is eat, sleep, reproduce. And if you're in an environment where you can do that, what's the point in going after extra stuff? It's just dangerous. So it actually turns out that luxury and comfort signal to the brain to, to stop, you know, relax, chill out, you made it, everything's good. Meaning that the converse is also true. If you are in an environment that has bare bones amenities, you know, there's a little bit of discomfort, it is incredibly plain, maybe the food tastes plain, 
the sleeping arrangements are not particularly cushy and comfortable. They're very minimal. If you're in that environment, the part of your brain that wants to work and wants to, to conquer, right? That part stays alive and breathing. And not only does it stay alive, it stays at the forefront of your mind. And this is where we get that stereotype of the Spartan living conditions, right? You know, the, the stereotype of well, Spartans lived in these little huts or barracks or some sort of accommodation that's incredibly bare bones. And they didn't have many belongings or possessions, but they were absolutely ferocious warriors. They were ferocious fighters. That part of the, the mythos around the Spartans is absolutely true. The little bit I do know about the Spartans is that their entire industry, the entire nation, everything relied on war. Warfare was their export. They didn't have artisans or musicians or anything along those lines where it would be self-sustaining. The only way that empire was able to sustain itself was by breeding and training the best warriors and then going out there and conquering nations and taking their wealth and their farmers and whatever it is they had and using it to feed the Spartan economy. But you don't get to that level of dominance in any field, let alone warfare. Warfare being the most primal field, the pure measure of man against man, army against army. You don't get to that level without an absurd astronomical level of consistency and commitment and drive and work. So I was reading the little book of talent, looking for that. And as I was flipping through the book, I'm tying it back here. As I was flipping through the book, I found the tip. I think it might be one of the first two or three that it is better to do something five minutes every day than for one hour once a week. If you do the math, five times seven is 35, 35 minutes a week compared to one hour a week. Why is that the case? Why is it that you can do five minutes of work a day, seven days a week, and it be more effective for building skills, right? The whole talent code in the little book of talent there, all of it is about building your skills in whatever area you're in, you know, music, Athletics, business, doesn't matter. How is it possible that 35 minutes a day could actually be more efficacious than one hour a week? And it's consistency, right? So the, the st stereotypical view of consistency is, oh, if I, if I show up and I grind and I work on this consistently, the reason the consistency works is because I'll keep trying and trying and trying and trying and eventually I will achieve the thing that it is that I'm trying to do you know, win this athletic contest or, or get into a relationship or build a business or get the physique that I want, whatever it is. But that's, that's tangentially what consistency is about. You know, showing up again and again and again is the ethos of consistency. But the reason it brings results is because the brain learns through repetition. And that's the crux here. That's why five minutes a day is way more powerful than one hour a week. Because every time you do a session, if you show up to the piano and you slowly play the piece of music for five minutes and then you walk away and you come back and you do it again tomorrow, you'll have done it seven individual times. And every single time you do that, that is a neurological adaption cycle. 
if you will, and that's not a technical term per se, that's just what I'm calling it, is you show up, you do the thing, neurologically your brain takes a substance called myelin, which I believe is an amino acid or a protein, it wraps it around your neural circuits, insulating them, making them better at conducting electricity. That's how we build skills, myelination. So every single time you show up, seven days a week you show up, five minutes at a time, you sit down, you show up, and you myelinate those neural circuits, you're building the skill. That's growth. For one hour session, the one hour session by itself is more efficacious than the five minute session. But five minute sessions seven times, every single one of those cycles, ultimately there's going to be far more progress and far more growth from that consistency. And this is one of the reasons, so this sort of subcategory of consistency, frequency, is one of the reasons why the Warrior King training protocol calls for three days a week full body. It's because you can adapt. If you do enough of a training stimulus, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you will adapt by Wednesday. You will adapt by Friday if you're a novice trainee, right? So you get way more adaption cycles. And I talk about this in the ebook available at warriorking.cx, by the way, for free. I talk about why training three times a week full body is so much more powerful than training, you know, a bro split where you train chest and tries and back and buys and legs and abs and calves or whatever it is that bodybuilders are doing these days. Because you can go through adaption and learning and growth three times a week for every body part. There's a bunch of other reasons like hormonal and time saving and I won't get into that right now. But the consistency, right? Showing up consist at consistent intervals, at frequent consistent intervals it's basically a cheat code, right? It's basically a cheat code where you can experience the stressor, the adaption, and the growth, the sort of three-part three parts cycle, the stress, adaption, and growth. You can experience it more frequently. And if you're on a more frequent rate of growth, you are going to have a higher velocity than anyone else. So if I decide that I'm going to release six episodes of this podcast a week, which is the pace that I'm trying to hit. If I decide I'm going to do that, every single podcast episode I do is going to allow me to, to observe, to learn, to, to reflect what went well, what didn't go well. Like the podcast episode I'm recording right now, first thing in the morning, I woke up, I brushed my teeth, I took a shower, I got dressed, I grabbed a cup of coffee, I, I said a quick prayer before recording, and I recorded and what, what are the lessons I can take away from that? What did I learn from, does it work for me first thing in the morning? Because one of the things we know is that a man's voice first thing in the morning is a bit lower. And lower voices project more authority, if you will. So maybe it's going to work out well for me. On the other hand, is my brain its very sharpest first thing in the morning? Should I wait, it, wait an hour? And if I was recording and releasing one episode a week, then I wouldn't be able to go through that learning as quickly as I can. I can basically... If someone's out there re releasing one episode a week of a podcast, and let's say it's the same length as Phil Log is, which is about 20-ish minutes, in six weeks, he's going to have had the same number of learning opportunities I had in one week. So that's a six-to-one difference. So it is better to do something five minutes a day every day than it is to do it one hour a week, which is why I'm such a huge proponent of habit routines, and specifically chunking. If you can make a routine, and it doesn't matter what it is, right? If you can make a routine and have many different goals 
be pursued as part of that, I don't know, 30-minute block, one-hour block, doesn't matter. You're going to get a lot of mileage out of that. A lot. Way more than anyone else. The way I do that, for example, is, let's say, my morning routine. First thing I do when I wake up, I drink water and I take whatever supplements I have to take that day. You know, whatever it is that I'm taking first thing in the morning. Maybe 5-HTP or a tryptophan or something. So I'm hitting my hydration goal is being uh, moved towards and my taking my supplements is being moved towards. Then after that, I drink my tea or coffee, depending on the day. Today it's coffee. And I would usually be reading my scripture, right? Which I haven't done today yet. It's Sunday as I'm recording this. So I'll be at liturgy anyway and I'll hear the scripture there. But I would do that for about 15 minutes and then I would take protein if I didn't have it in my coffee. I do bulletproof coffee. So there'll be collagen peptides in there. If I didn't do that, I would take protein and then I'll take my cold shower and then I would do my morning prayers and then I would brush my teeth and um, wash my face and do my hair and get dressed and all of those things. But I've hit my prayer goal. I've hit my one of my nutrition goals, right? I got my protein in, my supplements, my water. So all of these goals are being moved towards in one time block that is basically just a binary, hit or miss. Did I do my morning routine today? If I start the morning routine, I'm going to get all of them. So you can take, you don't have to, if there's six or seven things you want to get good at or that you want to move towards, you don't actually have to track six or seven things. You can put all of those things into one block and do them in bits and pieces. Let's say you want to learn the piano, right? I have this fantastic 88 key, fully weighted MIDI keyboard slash piano that's standing in front of me right now. I'm looking at it right now that I bought maybe a year and a half ago. And as a musician, I'm primarily a guitarist and a singer, right? I would like to be better at the piano. And there are periods of time where I'll study for about two to three months. And every time I do that, and then, of course, I, you know, I drop the ball on it. But whenever I am doing it, and I'm actually getting better and very quickly, too, I do it every day. And that's my biggest thing. I would rather play the piano for five to ten minutes a day than play it for three hours on a Saturday. Because neurologically, you start the session, you stress your brain, you walk away from the session, and it adapts. And you can learn so much quicker than that. So... I suppose what I'm trying to say is that consistency isn't just about showing up and doing it every time you said you were going to do it so that when other people are quitting, you're not. Because if that were the only reason why consistency is important, then people wouldn't just say be consistent. They would just say don't quit, which is another piece of advice you'll hear. And it is good advice. Of course, just saying don't quit is like saying, oh, don't be sad, be happy. It's more complicated than that. But I think it's important to communicate why consistency is so important. And I think the primary driver is if you actually are the person that is not going to quit, which first of all, good for you because that's rare. That is very rare. But if you are the person who's not going to quit because something's boring or difficult, if you really have that discipline, just know that doing something consistently, meaning frequently, if you do it frequently, you will blow past everyone else. You know, there are two ways to approach building your skills and building your value as a man. Your ability to affect change in the world, which is 
one of the two things that defines a man, right? I always say a man is defined by his abilities and his intentions, ability and intent. What can you do and what will you do? But when it comes to the what can you do part, if you can show up and do things very consistently and grow very quickly, you can either do what I do, right? I have interests in very many different things, right? I, I like making music and I like sport and I like philosophy and theology and I like content creation and like fashion and all of these different fields that are all valuable in and of themselves and finance. And you can kind of become this jack of all trades, this polymath, if you will, or you can spec into one thing. So let's say you're going to take consistency and you're going to apply it to one thing. You only care about one thing, right? You play the guitar, you love the guitar, and that's all you care about. All right, then then do nothing else, but then do it every day. Heck, do it twice a day. Wake up in the morning, pick up your guitar, and go through your drills for 30 minutes, go through your scales for 30 minutes, and then you know go do whatever it is you have to do, brush your teeth, wash your face, eat breakfast, go to work, come back, and then do it again. So you're getting in the twice a days, and that gap, that six to eight hours is long enough for your brain to adapt neurologically. So you're going to be on 14 a week. And you're going to grow so much faster than everyone else you're competing with. You will have no competition. In the 2023 goal setting guide that I wrote recently, which also, like the training protocol, is available, warriorking.cx, I talk about this hypothetical person, John, who is this case study. And one of the things I say for him is when he sets his goals for 2023, he wants to change careers. He's working at, um, what did I say? He's working at a doctor's office at the front desk, not getting paid great. And he wants to pivot into software development. And one of the things I have him do in the hypothetical scenario is he does 30 minutes of coding before he goes to work. And then he does another hour or so after he gets back, goes to the gym, comes home, eats dinner, and then does some more coding. So he's doing it twice a day. If you do that, you'll literally learn twice as fast as anyone else. The power of consistency is not not quitting. That's just the power of sticking to it. The power of consistency goes beyond that. It's about doing it again and again, frequently, consistently. If you can do that, you can do anything. All right, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you're listening on, Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or whatever else it is that you're doing. If you liked it, leave a review. It really helps the show. Make sure to give me a follow on Instagram at XXLHara. Come shoot me a message. Let's have a conversation. You can also follow the Warrior King Instagram at warriorking.cx. And you can find our website, which is now up, warriorking.cx, for the 2023 Goal Setting Guide and the Warrior King Training Protocol, which is a training routine that I developed over the 10 years I've been training to help you build the physique and the strength that you want in less than three hours a week. Beyond that... As always, conquer the day.